Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. How you all doing? It's good to be back. Woohoo! Happy to be here. Wearing my Philadelphia Stars shirt today, as you can see. Um, USFL? World champion. USF- yeah, Stars. USFL. Yes, world champion Philadelphia Stars. Herschel who's Walker. Heck, who is the coach? Uh, Jim Mora. All right. At least he knows. Who is Walker, um, the, the, quarter, the quarterback was, was, I want to say, Chuck Fusina, was it? Like, yep, Chuck Fusina was the quarterback. Chuck That's Fusina good. from Penn State. I was a season ticket holder of the Philadelphia Stars. Okay. Because um, it was thought it would be fun to do. And it was bl- and they played at Franklin Field the first year, which was fun. Was it Reggie, yeah. was Reggie White on that team? Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I yeah, he was. He was. It was it was crazy because Herschel Walker, you know, it just it was coming towards it's like towards the end of his career, but he was still killing it. And then the the big no no no, no. that no, was no, no. that was the beginning that was the beginning that was the beginning of his career, right? I'm sorry, that was the beginning. And then there was another really big running back that the that the New York team had who ended up being in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I I only remember Herschel Walker, and I'm trying to think. Oh, Joe, I mean Joe Cribs left the Bills, but he went to Birmingham. And yeah, he- Joe Cribs was on Birmingham. He was a pretty big name. Yep. Uh, there was another one. Uh, who was the? It was from the Lions. Uh, Billy Sims was Billy Sims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, oh, you know who was really the kid from um, from Brigham Young? The Doug Flutie. He was in the U.S. Oh, he wasn't running yeah. back. from Boston. He, back up. he was another he one. Wasn't Brigham Young. He was like Boston College, I think. The Boston yeah. Breakers, yeah. which were um, which still to this day have the coolest uniforms of any football team ever. Mark, I can't remember it. Mark, All right, let's get into the meat of this pre-show. This is not the pre-show. This is the pre-pre-show. We'll just do that's Marcus all. Dupree. That was the other big running back. Uh, there we go. Great. I remember him. All right, so let's move on. We got some things to talk about pre-show for a couple minutes, then we're going to get going. So the pre-show, back in 2009, I bought four tickets to the final tour of Genesis. <laughs> that's what I was told. I spent 340 bucks, which at the time was a lot of money on four seats. Still I up. was not close to the stage. So I was like, you know, somewhere in that third level and I enjoyed it. I bought a master CD of it. And now they're ruining, ruining all that by touring again at the age of 69 and 70. Now I don't mind the age cause I've seen John Anderson at 74 still or 72 rather still belted out. Phil's voice is not the same. And I don't care if he's sitting or standing. That doesn't matter to me. My big issue is his voice isn't the same. And then when I heard that they're not going to play anything drum intensive, then like the minute I heard that, it was like In the Cage is completely out, which is one of their best songs ever. So I probably will not see this. Isn't isn't his 19-year-old son playing drums? Yeah, Yeah, but obviously he can't play it like Phil. So Phil's already sort of cushioning the blow there. And if this concert is full of like throwing it all away and follow alien, follow you, follow me, and afterglow, and yeah, and I like that stuff. That stuff's great. But if it's included with all those other things, and I don't get to hear like real meat yeah. and potatoes, Genesis, I don't have interest. This feels like a show I should see at the Borgata. <laughs> right, it does. So I you know, like, like I saw Yes in Asia last year at the Borgata. Yes. Um, and the, the fact that Genesis hasn't toured for all, and those those other bands kept touring the entire time. They've been touring the whole time. Means this will be at the Wells Fargo Center, and right. This or is the, like or like who knows Lincoln Financial Field. This is this is the thing, and you know I'm a I'm a big ridiculous Genesis fan. Me I too. saw them at 11 years, and so is Russ. And well, so, so am I, but differently. And, and so are you, act. And, and, and I saw them when I was 11 years old in 1978. My brother took me. I've seen them six or seven times. I saw Phil Collins a couple times solo. I, I love them. I was pissed off after the experience in, you know, over 13, 12 or 13 years ago when they did the reunion tour, not because they said it was the final tour, final tour, but because they clearly, and there's a documentary on YouTube where Collins is going through some of the songs and he clearly can't hit the notes anymore. And they had to change the, the change the, uh, you know, the, the, the key of the song to be a lower key. So he, so he could, so he could hit the notes. Yeah. It's 
10 times worse now. My brother saw him on his uh, I'm Not Dead Yet tour last year, and he was sitting in a chair, and he, and his voice was weak, and he couldn't sing his song. Yeah. So yeah. what? I, I, I'm i sorry. I love Phil Collins, but I'm not contributing to the Phil Collins retirement tour. It's yeah, over. He hasn't made enough money, has he? And the only thing – the only thing that would have made me open up my wallet and pay for pay for tickets is if Peter Gabriel and Steve Hackett were going to be part of the show. And I sent you guys the link of the interview with Steve, with uh, with Tony Banks, and it's clear that Tony Banks and Peter Gabriel, at least it's one sided. Tony Banks hates Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Like we all knew that, but the quote that really got me, and I oh, even was talking about this last night over dinner and over chuckling. The fact that he actually openly said, what has Gabriel done since Genesis for all these years? Yeah, that's pathetic. I'm sorry. pathetic. Why would he that say really that? really is absolutely wrong. I mean, you know, it might be – it might have been it might have been something sarcastic where he says, Of course we know he's done great things. Okay, but you can't but you, you can't say that. No yeah, it's hard to read that. I did I did I can see it being read both ways, Mike. I see what you're saying. Like it could be like, you know, what has he done? You know, like right. he should have been like, you know, obviously Peter Gabriel has done a ton since then. Way more than Tony Banks has done. Right. Um, by the way, you know, and and both are but those two were, you know, I've I've got a little bit of insight on this. I told you guys a little bit, I'll tell folks a little bit of the story. Cause I because I did I was fortunate to do an album with um with Tony Levin and Jerry Marotta. Now, Tony Levins is the bass player who um, actually uh, has played, played, with, has played with King Crimson, has played with I've, Gabriel. Yeah, everybody's seen him. You probably, if you follow this at all, he's the big giant bald guy who plays with the big finger things, the big giant, big finger bass. Phenomenal, phenomenal bass player. Phenomenal bass player, one of the best ever. Um, Jerry Marotta was the drummer in, um, in, um, in a couple bands and then was also Peter Gabriel's drummer on tour for the first two. Um, I think he did. I think he did session work with uh, with uh, Steely Dan and a few other. He did bands. session work with Steely Dan. He, the band, um, Ar is it Arliss or what's the band? I'm going to remember the name. Dan. Um, I, I don't know. Anyway, there, there he was. He was. He was. He was with. He was Ardent. Ard Argent. Argent. He was Argent. A, okay. He was the drummer for that band. He was also the drummer for the Indigo Girls. Whatever. He was. He was all over the place. So I he produced a couple of our songs. Brought in Tony Levin to help work with us, and I got to go to Applebee's with Tony Levin and Jerry Marotta and. Earlier that day, while in the studio, Peter Gabriel had called the studio, and I and they jokingly put me on the phone for a second with him because they knew that this is the guy that I completely idolized growing up. Peter Gabriel was my guy, like un unbelievably my guy. So I, I refused to go to Genesis concerts as a kid because without Peter Gabriel, Genesis didn't exist to me, and I was that was just my artistic snobbery at the time that I, you know, which is obviously ridiculous because Phil Collins is crazy talented. But um, so I got to hear a lot about the background story, and you know, Tony and. I mean, I think it's widely known that Tony and Peter were really good buddies. They were really tight um, before everything happened. You know, I mean, not, I mean, to, I'm sorry. Peter Peter and Tony. Peter and Tony Banks, right? I'm sorry. Peter right. and Tony Banks were really tight. Um, and then when Peter left, Tony Banks really felt like it was a personal affront. Like, you know, like the equivalent of like Mike going to work for Puck Daddy or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> it would be something that would make me angry to the point of my grave and I would never be able to forgive him for one, one bit for the rest of my days. And I think that that's where Tony, that's where um, Banks is with Peter Gabriel. And yeah, there's that obnoxiousness there, but Peter Gabriel also is, a, is, a, is apparently incredibly difficult to work with. Uh oh, Peter Gabriel's calling you right now. Yeah. That's not him. <laughs> uh, I know. Here we go. No, but uh, it, you know, we won't belabor this, but it just, you no. know, I, Obviously, I never saw Gabriel with Genesis because I would have had to see him when I was eight years old. He left in '75. That was right. and, and the closest. I mean, there was a reunion concert for that uh, Gabriel and and Genesis. They got together in like 1980. I think it was yeah. in Nebworth because yeah. it was it was something uh, a. a um, uh, had to do with Peter Gabriel losing a lot of money. Right, exactly. They came to his aid and you know, I mean that that that's a great thing. And and they're all they're all still friendly, but there is this there is this rivalry between There's levels, right? Like yeah. there's levels in that in the years because you're dealing with musicians first of all. When you deal with musicians, you're dealing with like all kinds of personalities. And the best musicians I've ever worked with, a few of them have been amazing. Like Jerry Murado, but Jerry Murado, for example, he's just like a small like offshoot of the Peter Gabriel universe was really hard to work with for some people in our band. Who like to do things quickly, like Cap Neo, you know, who likes to like let's bang this stuff out. And then for people who like to experiment, like and throw like six hundred tracks down, which is like me, um, which is what Jerry Murata is, which is what Peter Gabriel does. 
that's 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 that that's like one that's another way of doing things so when you record albums you know you end up in a situation where phil collins is just like bang it out do th that's good enough you know that's great we'll keep it going as long as the melody you know he's all about the melody and the, all that that's fine peter's like let's throw you know let's go in the other room and you're going to take this elephant tusk and bang it against the wooden part of the, of right. the piano and mic it from six different places and right. we're going to have that and that that kind of stuff is what happens in peter gabriel session well, you know. Well, that happens in, in yes sessions with Andrew. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and what's funny is as people get older, they tend to not do that anymore because they right. tend to like say, you know, we can create that sound in a thousand different ways. I can right. do it in five seconds by snapping my fingers. Here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. So, like the first Genesis album I ever bought was, and then there were three, and it was a cutout record, and I only bought it because it was cheap. I barely knew the band. I just knew of them, right. but I was. I was into Yes and Kansas and bands like that, and I didn't know them, right? right. So I started listening to that. Then I bought Trick of the Tail. Then I bought um, Wind and Wuthering. Wind and Wuthering. And I started doing that. And then by the time um, Abacab came out, I was all in. I went and saw that that tour, the Three Sides Live tour. Yeah, I was all in. Like I, yeah. but so I never had a chance to see Gabriel. Yeah. I knew some of the Gabriel songs. And I've never seen Gabriel in concert, which I always see. I, 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 luckily, luckily, I saw Gabriel yeah. in concert. I saw, I saw Hack, uh, Steve Hackett in concert last year, and he was incredible. Yeah. Although the lead singer of his band imitating Gabriel is the same guy who sang Cotton Eye Joe. So I just, I, you know, that's, I can't Whoa. get past that. But, uh, yeah, but the, uh, I'll say this about Gabriel, and, and I, I was present for a very significant moment in Peter Gabriel's career. Early in his career, in his solo career, he would crowd surf. He would let the yep. crowd carry him out. Yep. On to, uh, yeah. One of the and, first to do this, really, probably. Yeah, he right. did that in Central Park, New York, with free uh, the free concert. Right. We're talking about gutsy. My wife was at that show, and he was passing himself around in Central Park. Right. Well, the the concert in Buffalo at UB at Alumni Arena was the last show that he ever did it because as he's surfing out in the crowd, somebody grabbed his crotch. Yeah. And, and that stopped it. The security had to grab, yeah. him, put him back on stage, and after that, he never wow. did it anymore. But, yeah. So okay, we'll 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 do we'll do a prog rock show. Uh, yeah, but just to finish my to finish my thought on this, though, I've never. So it's funny because because Russ has never seen Peter live. Right. I've seen Peter live like a dozen times. Yeah. Right. Never seen Genesis live because of my thing. Right. Mike's seen both of them. Mike over there has seen both of them. Um. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. So I don't know what I'm going to do with this. My wife. Are is you all right? Let's just hypothetically, act. tickets, decent tickets, not even the best, will be $150. You interrupt. Yeah. Um, first of all, I have connections in the music industry. I will never pay. <laughs> okay, so but I'm really not the fair one to say. So I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. What is the most that you would pay for it? Let me ask you that. If I had to pay for them, I would probably be in just because of the fact that I. My wife, first of all, loves Genesis. Has seen Genesis live, without you know, without Peter. Just she doesn't really even know the Peter. Is this Gabriel. because it's now just a bucket list thing, though? Yeah, it would be because it would be like okay, that's fair. The couple bucket list things I had when I when I was in college, that I wrote down for concerts were one, I wanted to see Roger Waters live, which I finally got to see. I wanted to see Pink Floyd with Roger Waters, which I never got to see. Um, and I wanted to see Peter Gabriel with Genesis. And I never, and of course that, if that, if that, that that's never like a big thing that I've never gotten to do. They'll yeah, do that in hologram one day. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's never happened. I, I'll, and I'll answer your question, Russ. Nothing. I would not pay anything. I yeah. saw, I saw them in their prime. I saw them on the, and then there were three yeah. tour and Duke tour and Abacab and anything now after the, after 13 years ago and seeing what they became then 13 years later, no, and but yeah, I don't even mind that it's the prime. I don't want people to think this is ageism because both you and I enjoyed the Anderson Raven Wakeman tour. Even oh, yeah. oh my gosh, so great! Yeah, I mean, there and and you know, I saw Yes many times. The, my favorite, my favorite Yes concert that I ever saw was Anderson Raven Wakeman and How in the Round. I thought was incredible. Uh, um, yeah, that was a great show. Of these, of these those sort of senior tours yeah. that, are, that are going on right now. Over the last couple of years, I saw Heart. They were great. I saw, great. I saw Bad Company. They were still really good. Paul Rogers. You know, Bad Company, here's a little known fact. When in 2004, when the Lightning were in the Stanley Cup, Bad Company played. Paul Rogers and one other band member played before Simon the Stanley Cup. Yeah. 
outside and I was I have a picture. I'm like one of like three people that was like listening to them. And, yeah. they, were, wow. and they were really good. They yeah. were playing on like at the promenade. But there are so, there are some bands that are that are still touring that are really, really yeah, good. ELO is great. I was glad I got ELO to see it. I wanted to go see it. I didn't see it. Yeah. All right. All right, let's go. So much for, so much for your connection, Zach. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't. Have, I, I would. I couldn't go. Yeah, I have Richard in the chat says Ann Wilson still has it. Yes, she does. She can still sing, and Nancy Wilson still has it. Uh, I would marry her right now. Yeah, I would like to see the Go Go's. Oh, you could tweet that to her, Mike. I'm sure she'll respond. Yeah, sure. sure. I would go see the Go Go's live or Belinda Carlisle live any day of the week as well. So she is touring. I, I saw that she's touring. Belinda Carlisle is. Yeah, oh, cool. I think actually. I think she's touring without the Go-Go's because I think she's yeah. not with the Go-Go's anymore. Yeah, probably not. All right, let's move on. Thanks, guys, for listening and enduring us. We appreciate it. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, March 5th, 2020. I'm not Phil Collins. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from, from Genesis. You could be Phil Collins for like Halloween if you really worked at it. You got like the look a little bit. You got. I'll, you could, I'll, I'll get a cane and a neck brace. Yeah, I'm going to. I, I'm going to um, give a shout out to uh, Chester Thompson, who clearly isn't going to be on this tour, and that saddens me. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm Eckland. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday, fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world, and give you your projected standings, which you're all craving like no one's business. Um, okay, so <laughs> I answer every day about them. But anyway. <laughs> That is, um, but we're going to get into that. First of all, we have to talk. I think we have to start today off, and I'm sorry for, for sorry for about this, but we have to start today off with the Philadelphia Flyers, um, because honestly, I didn't see this coming at all, um, and you know, it still could. I, although I remember when we talked about it in the beginning of the year, as and I said, I remember you remember what I said. No, I you say a lot of things, Zach. I mean, let's be fair. <laughs> Thanks for caring, Russ. Um, listen to. <laughs> I appreciate you caring about what I say, and think, <laughs> I remember everything you say. Um, anyway, yeah. what I said was this Elaine Vigneault thing is either going to go terribly wrong or unbelievably well. Yeah, you did say that. Because that's the way these kind of moves work, right? Like this, yeah. this wasn't just going to be another year where they were a bubble team or whatever. It wasn't going to, it was either going to fall off the map and they were going to be in, in the Lafreniere chase or whatever, or they were going to actually really be good. And as it turns out, you know, they're really good. And they are really, they're getting it together. They're playing great hockey. Um, I haven't seen them play this confident going back a decade. I mean, I think that this is the most confident I've seen them play since the playoffs of 2010. And uh, yeah, I think that's all fair. And I, I yeah. did like the Vigneault signing, if you remember. And for a lot of the reasons that we're seeing on the ice now, I, and I think fans should definitely enjoy the ride. Matter of fact, there's a large Twitter debate going on because you know, Mike Missinelli has started to pump out the the hate. Well, the actually the reverse hate. He's pumped out the hate for 25 years, but now it's the reverse hate because he posted oh, yeah. that this team is amazing because now he wants to latch on because the Sixers are not any good. They might make Dean. Dean in the chat room knows remembers exactly what I said. Thank you, Dean. Well, that's good. The Flyers would either finish second or sixth. Well, now you should send Dean something. I should. Right? Anyhow, that's impressive. Getting getting back to it. The only thing that I would caution Flyers fans with, and look, enjoy the ride. They are on a run right now, 16-4, and four, seven in a row. Yeah. There's still 15 games in the season, and you just lost JVR. Like, you've got to hope somehow they don't face Pittsburgh in the first round because I still do not think they could beat Pittsburgh no matter how hot they are. I don't. That's a tough one. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that this team Pittsburgh's is way better defensively than people realize. Well, now. I, I yeah. think right now Philadelphia is benefiting from the fact that after the deadline, after Washington and Pittsburgh loaded up, I think there was sort of a false sense of security that both of the teams had that, okay, we're, we're really, we're competing for first or second place in, in the division. We're not worried about anybody behind us. And I think Philadelphia is really, you know, I think stepped up and played pretty well, but again, when we get into the playoffs, I don't think they're even close to Washington or to Pittsburgh. Now, I mean, that's hard to find right now because I mean, and, I, and I'm not trying to be a. I mean, I have looked for every every hole I can find with this Flyers team. But what I would tell you is that the Flyers, Capitals, and Penguins all have issues. They all, all three of them have issues. The well, you Penguins just lost your one. Big, you you lost a big net front front presence though, Eck. 
Yeah, you did. You did. But he's been like we talked about before. He's been playing third line minutes. He's been playing in. Sure, but he's still a net front guy. Who's present, no question about it. But and you might you might be able to get him yet, right? Like we don't might know. be able to get him back before the playoffs, depending on the the extent of the injury. I mean, if it's well, it's if, a broken hand, I doubt they will. Right, right. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's like a, meta, a metacarpal, if it's like a bone in in the hand like this, yeah. yeah. Then, then it, surgery in the hand or whatever. There's different kinds of things. Yeah. Then it, I mean, if it's something that they put a pin in, he could be back. Which hand is it? Is it his left hand or his right? I hand? don't know. I don't know. But it was blocking a shot, and, and that the same thing happened to Jake Muzzin, and he's out. They said they said at least six to eight weeks. So you know, it's probably the same same time frame. But uh, honestly, I think right now Washington. And Pittsburgh, it's more a question of adjusting to new players that have been added to that roster. So let's let's start with that. Ilya Kovalchuk played 15 minutes, three minutes and 55 seconds on the power play, didn't register a shot on goal. I mean, this is Koval. This is what we talked about. This is about. where he sucks the life out of a team, and we Eck and I talked about this. It's like, you know, put him on a team where he's not the number one guy getting number one minutes, and, you know, I mean, what he did with what he did with Montreal was was so obviously inflated by his by his yes. by not just his time, but more or less his ego. Like, because it's like it's it's when his ego is getting fed. Like, I am the guy. He's going to play well for you. When well, he's I'm a assuming, character, I'm he's not going to give you anything. I'm assuming if he's playing that many minutes, he's playing on the first power play and not on the second. It was um, on and off. I watched it. It was, it was like it, it varied. I mean. They still, still don't really seem to know what they're doing with them, to be honest. No, like, and, and, see, and that's the thing, Ak. I mean, it's like you have to ha- you have to sort of adjust. I mean, I don't think their power play has been great guns all year. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put Kovalchuk into the mix. Right. Other, you know, like so. I mean, it, 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 there's a time of adjustment, and I'm not saying he's the guy's going to go out and score 25 goals, but I think to add him for a goal for them yet. Right. To add to add him for a third round pick is nothing. That's really true. No, it's not nothing because – go ahead, Russ. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. I think he's hurting their team it's, right yeah, now. not nothing. Because they're trying to fit him in where somebody else, you wouldn't make this kind of adjustment to try and fit them in like this. Mm-hmm. Precisely. You know, and, and that's really – I mean, that's really – the fact is that he does come in and he is a presence and he's a Russian presence um, with Russian players. And there's a – that you know, you don't want to get – you know, you don't want to get inside Ovechkin's head. You don't want to start messing up anything like Ovechkin – you know, still needs to know he's the king. Of course he does, but there's always Kovalchuk and Ovechkin have a history of, of different, of like playing those, of those roles. Like if you remember, for it was a while where Kovalchuk and Ovechkin were comparable and yeah. considered and considered like who was the better, you know, Kovalchuk or Ovechkin. Sure. Um, yeah. That was, that was, that was the thing. And, uh, you know, to me, this is, this is an issue now to me, the Capitals, bigger problem I felt was like their defense. And I also, I'm also going to say that Tom Wilson was a problem last night for the caps. It's yeah, like Tom Wilson did not perform a way that helped a function no. that helped his team. He hurt his team. And I agree with you, but the yeah. other thing is I, I got to give Sean Couturier credit because in, in the games against the Capitals, he has neutralized Ovechkin. Now Ovechkin did have an open shot at the net that he missed and he was mad at that. But for the most part, Couturier has really neutralized him. And that's a big deal. But the problem when you play Pittsburgh is he can't neutralize Malkin and Crosby. That's yeah. why you worry about Pittsburgh because of that two-headed yeah. monster with yeah. everything else they have going for him. But Crosby has really not been good lately. Oh, yeah. no, no. He got back on track with Ottawa. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that. but it's Ottawa. Come on now. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just all you have to do is get confidence again. He got four yeah. points that game. And they and and they had, you know, they they I think it's they lost goals. I think they lost six games in a row. So I mean, yeah. some sometimes, like I said, sometimes a team, you know, you, it's not the playoffs. Right now, you're sort of in the dog days. You know, you're going to make the playoffs unless you lose fourteen or fifteen in a row. So right. it, it, there's no motivation there other than positioning for a playoff spot. Like teams, teams like Florida and Toronto right now have motivation. If they don't play well down the stretch, they're not going to make the playoffs. Same way. Yeah, I think the Flyers are for real. I was just asked that on Twitter, and I do think they're for real. But you also have to be for real when you start looking at first-round matchups. Again, nothing's been easy for like the last five years in the playoffs. I go back to when the Rangers played Atlanta. I knew that was a sweep. There's no sweeps that you could or teams that you could look at that you would at least say – this looks like a sweep. Like, how often right. do we pick a sweep on this show? Right. No, no, it, it, it's right. it's crazy. I mean, this is the thing that kind of went under the radar last night was the Wilson-Hag fight, okay? 
Yeah. Um, which is the second. First of all, he's taking, look at who's going after Thompson and, and Robert Haig. Right? And these, these guys are like, well, he went, I will say this. He didn't go after Haig. Haig went after him. He went after Thompson because he didn't realize that um, what's his name was losing his edge. His guy was losing his edge. Yeah. And he thought Thompson pushed him into the boards when he really didn't. But he couldn't see that his his teammate was losing his edge. So then he was just sort of sticking up for his teammate. I didn't think that was terrible. But the flyer, but we didn't know the Flyers will take the Thompson for Wilson trade every of day, course, every time, you know, or the Robert Hag trade. You know, it's like yeah, Hag Hag. I could, I've heard him said both ways. What? How do you say it, Robert Hag? Hag. I've said Hag. It's Hag at this point. I've heard it. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I know, right. I've heard it both ways. But all right, so um, so Robert Hag, who is defending um. Nicholas Robert Hag. Robert Hag. So it's defending Giroux. Okay. So what happens? And the, the really the thing that was kind of crazy last night is Tom Wilson went high and hard at Giroux on a check. And Giroux, if unless you know, if Giroux isn't really smart, quick, and sharp to see it coming, we're talking about like how many games Wilson's getting oh, yeah. yeah. for today. I was gonna say that God for you know, we've never seen that out of Tom Wilson. Before. And, and that that to me was that that and it's amazing to me when you look at it like that if I'm the NHL, why can't I review that? Because honestly, that is an obvious, like he is trying to go after the Flyers. Well, you could review it after the fact, and then they seemingly don't. Once in a blue moon, they'll get the after effect fine or suspension that wasn't in the game. But for obvious egregious stuff, they don't, I think you're right. I think they should look, I think every game, they should mark out three or four things while oh, yeah. the game's going on and go back and review just because, and I don't think they do that. This was this was this was very obvious. It was very dangerous. He he takes like four or five steps, full speed at Giroux after the puck's gone, completely gone, and and Giroux just catches it at the last second, ducks out of the way, and you know, and Wilson's you know hit his 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 arm goes into the glass. I mean, that's how high the guy is. I mean, Wilson has proved over the last couple of years that he has the same impulse control as Nazem Kadri. He's gotten suspended how many times during the playoffs? He's a loose cannon. I mean, he's a talented player. He's a bull in a china shop. He's a tough matchup because he's so big and he's so fast and he's talented. But he's an idiot. He makes stupid decisions and he gets suspended when his team needs him most. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get suspended for something stupid before the playoffs start. Uh, yeah. I think it was a game where I felt like Hopi wasn't locked in. And and so this is one where if Eck wants to kill Hopi, I don't blame him because – even when he made that, he there was I'm a, there was a I'm not killing Hopi. I mean, okay, well, there was a point where Connecty they just scored a goal and then Connecty hit a post. Hopi looked like he was late getting to that corner, and at that point on, I felt like he there he was shaky, and he was, and so he's got to be a hundred percent, or they could switch to Samsonov. I wouldn't be shocked if that or happened. Samsonov's been the better goalie. I mean, it's the reality. That's what I mean, I mean, but. Hopi won him a Stanley Cup, so it's like they're gonna go with Holpe. I don't think I don't think they will be long to change out of Holpe if they need. That's to. what I'm saying. Well, I, I I honestly I think they don't go to Samsonov unless they're down two nothing or three one in the series. I think they'll stick with Holpe. Yeah, it's uh, not Grubauer. Remember, Grubauer was the backup last year. They started him. The, they or a couple years ago. They started yeah. him in the series. It started him in the playoffs, and then they went to Holpe. And the Caps scored the first goal in this game, right? Uh, yeah, the Caps scored yeah, the first goal. So. so usually when a team scores the first goal, what is it, like 75% chance of winning? Yeah. And the Flyers took over after that. They really – I mean, they totally took over. And the first – when they scored the first goal, it was, you know, like watching the game, which was unfortunate because my, my daughter got – like ran into a stationary pole with her car midway through the second period, and she's fine. But you know, I had to go and I, I missed the most of the game after that. But I left yeah, it yeah. one one. But um, yeah, it was just they really. I mean, for most of the game, the when I was watching the beginning, of the first half of that game at least, or the first period of that game, I was like, "This is the Capitals going to win this game." It felt like that. Like to me, it felt like one of those games. Like that, especially after that first goal. Um, you know, I was just what I've been probably impressed with though, and it, it needs to be said is like is that Derek Grant has just been like yeah, Grant's been really good defensively, especially. He has been like a hell of a pickup, and I—I I mean, I—we I don't, don't see him that much here. I mean, because he was in Anaheim and all this. He's stuff. been a lot better than Thompson, actually. Oh yeah, he's been—I mean—and not just like defensively, but like he had a really slick little kick pass last night on one of the goals. Mm -hmm. He's been damn impressive, and I've just been—yeah, like, uh, he's—he's made like everything. 
I mean, that, that turned out to, into a hell of a move, honestly. And but I, I'm telling you, even though we've, we've picked on JVR, it's a big loss because now, like, Derek Grant's probably your net front presence, and he's going to get more ice time than you intended to give him yeah. per, per game because you're not going to put Joel Farabee in front of the net. You're not going to yeah. do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so last night, other games that went on last night that are notable, um, Vancouver just th – this is – I mean, Vancouver's in trouble, and I – you know, I – just it's obvious that there that this injury, but last night was one of those games that you know when I was looking at my projected things. At first, last night was a game that projected Arizona to win, um, and then you know Arizona played so poorly over the last couple of weeks, it just barely edged out to like it said Vancouver would win in, in overtime last night. But you know at the end of the day, Arizona still wins this game because Arizona has had Vancouver's number a lot over the years, and they needed to win this game. They need to win the game, and now they're in, actually not in bad shape. So it's kind of. It's kind of crazy, like when you look at that, and that kind of brings me to well, um, my point. But go ahead, Mike, you have something else? No, I was just going to say. I mean, Arizona. I mean, they beat the Sabers earlier in the week. Now they've beaten the Canucks, and Darcy Kemper is back. And Kemper, you can't underestimate the the importance of Kemper being back and providing them with really good goaltending. Right. And how that's how that's a different. You know, they're still. Kevin was on the show a couple of days ago, and he said, you know, he just doesn't understand why Arizona isn't scoring more. Well, you know, maybe if their output is two to three goals a game, they need Kemper to stand on his head to get wins, and they're getting wins now. Vancouver is it's the opposite situation because they've lost Markstrom. Demko is. He's playing well, but the problem is that Vancouver's defense is their team defense is not that good. They've out outscored some of their problems throughout the year. Besser's hurt. You know they're 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 not a full team right now, and that's that's hurting them. Yeah, it's really hurting them. I mean, when you watch them play, it's frustrating because they have you know they obviously have the talent. They got off to the great start. For Besser's a massive loss. He's a massive loss. He's there. He's probably you know besides you know LS he's their second best player. He's their second best player, and and in some ways. He's even more important than Pedersen because of what he does, you know. Right. He's the trigger that. man. He's the trigger man. He's the trigger man, and he's also kind of like the just the, you know, he's the leader in that team. You feel it, you know. I, I do want to have talk about a debate I had with someone via email yesterday, uh, thinking that Dominic Kubelik should be the Calder leader and not Quinn Hughes. And I was trying to point out what Quinn Hughes does as a top pairing number one defenseman, yeah. but the fact that he was in minus nine was actually playing into it as far as, you know, this person was con yeah, yeah, lately. concerned and, and just looking at stats. And it's like, I get that it's, you know, and he has more points, right? And I think, yeah. you know, like I said, there hasn't been a defenseman that's led the Calder rookies in points in forever. But yeah, yeah. I just think it's more than that. But yeah. it is hard to explain it all on email. Like, how do I explain – the confidence that this guy has going up the ice. How do I explain? Oh, yeah, I mean, his first pass sets up the offense. Like it's hard to explain all. You watch Vancouver to understand it. You I mean, do. you really have to watch him. It's not a. It's not a statistical thing. It's. it's no. I mean, he is great statistically, but he really. I mean, the best thing I can say is, you know, and I've used this player before because to me, he's like when I use this player, he's like the pinnacle of that kind of defenseman to me in history. But it is that Scott Niedermeyer thing to me. Yeah. Like, it is. And that is something that is just Scott Niedermeyer was like never – he was always impressive statistically, but wasn't going to blow your mind away statistically. But when you saw what Niedermeyer did all around the ice and yep. what the team looked like without Niedermeyer versus yep. with him, it was an, it was unbelievable. You could just – you absolutely knew that he was your quarterback. He was your guy. And for a rookie to be doing that like Hughes is doing, I, I agree. I mean, he's – you know, he's been amazing, absolutely incredible. And, you know – And McCarr will still be in the race too. You can almost – put him as like one of the top two American born defensemen right now. Like, and that's, that is to me. And I'm, I'm believe that. I mean, like there's a lot of good American. Who? Wierenski. Wierenski. I would take you as a Wierenski. No, not yet. Take him over Seth Jones either. No, I, I think, I think he's third or fourth. Yeah. I mean, at such a young age, I mean, to yeah, have I mean, him, hard, but give him a year. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, I would say Seth Jones. Me, Seth Jones is the best. Like, I'll take him over Cam Fowler, and I love Cam Fowler. Yeah, uh, John, John Carlson. You know, Charlie McAvoy. There's other, like, really – John Carlson, as somebody said in the chat. Yeah, Carlson's number one right now. Carlson's number one to me, too. But I think that after that, you know, you run into a situation where you're like, okay, this is, you know, Hughes is definitely top four. Um, you yeah, know, I think top four is fair. That's – And as a rookie with in, – in a time when America is teeming with really good defensemen, like this is the this yeah. is the best American defense we've had in a long time, if we're worried to go to the Olympics, he's an Olympian, you know, and it's yeah. like that 
is pretty crazy. His brother's not. And I don't want to, you know, diminish Kubalik because he has 29 goals. He does play with Kane and Taves. It does help him. I mean, he is a plus three still, and that's good. But I feel like, hey, if he wasn't playing with Kane and Taves, would he have 29 goals? No, I think he would probably have 15. Remember, Richard Ponick scored 20 goals with Kane and Taves. Right. So there's definitely a factor. Yeah. And he's got a great shot. And he is a rookie. But still, I just think Hughes is right now doing more. And I think McCarr will creep back in the race, too, if he gets back healthy. The yeah, injury, McCarr, the injury's McCarr was definitely winning this for a while. But the injury, the injury's really killed McCarr. I mean, I think, yeah, right, I think right now Hughes might be leading in that race, and the injuries yeah. are the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it would be a kind of ironic, you know, the year that many people thought another Hughes would win this award. <laughs> um, well, it's still you know, this would be a Hughes. wonderful thing. Quinn and Jack will love this for till the day they die. Like, this oh, will be this like one of their – like a big – point for them yeah they're oh, very man. we don't have we don't hold this over jack's head forever it'll be fantastic um, yeah they they definitely they would definitely uh do that and they're yeah they're really they're, good to each they, other they're, they are really tight and they really not are really spirited but they definitely have a competition oh yeah and the competitiveness that you gotta love um uh, before we get into uh, another debate which i want to have with mike briefly um i'm gonna hold off on that one so because i don't want to, uh, to, to dominate i want to get into my um but blog today because I've gotten a lot of good comments about it throughout the league, actually, from a lot of different teams have been calling me up and stuff like that. Um, and that is what history tells us. My, the blog is called History Tells If a Team Not in the Playoffs Can Still Make It As of Now. And this is, I've, you know, my biggest issue with the NHL has always been this th the, the point for the overtime loss, right? That is what ruins this league to me. No question. That. And just telling you that doing my projection thing, I, agree. I, have, to, I have to take into account that every week that passes now, the amount of overtime games goes up by about 10%. It's like insane. It's just right. an incredible thing because teams just, I'm going to get the point and get out. I'm going to get the point and get Like, you know, they will play and you start to see, you know, mid definitely early in the third period, midway through the third period, teams just hold, if it's a tie, especially an interconference game where they're playing against the two conferences, both teams will take that point and they'll just, they'll wait. And it's, a, it's crazy. And without being, having three points for like an over three points for a regulation win, the NHL has created this thing that's, so such a lie that these teams are actually close together. And you guys have talked about it too, that they're, that they're act this, this, the perception that teams can make a, you know, do really well or make a big run and come back. It's just, it's, it's such a lie without, you know, the only way they could fix that would be either getting rid of the one point loss or making a three point regulation win, which we've talked about a way the teams could actually get back. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to know just what exactly that meant. Cause I'm, you know, me, I'm like the eternal optimist. Yeah. So, on March 1st, okay, so I went to March 1st, since 2013-14, um, this is what we've had, okay? On the average, at that point, teams have played 65 games. Left. They roughly have like 17 games left, which is 30, 34 possible points to be had for each team, which is, you know, so if a team's down by like one or two points, you think there's 34 points out there. That's a lot of points, yeah. Right. Okay, how many – there have been 31 teams, okay, on the average of five-point year who – on March 1st, we're sitting four points or less outside of a playoff spot. So four or less. That's not even a lot. That's not a lot. Four points or less. So that's 31 teams. How many of those teams do you do you guys think? I don't know if you saw the blog or not, but how many? I, of those I, Ron, I'm recording what you're saying. So this way, if you ask me if I've heard what you said. Oh, you're funny. All right, Russ, how many of those teams do you think made the have made the playoffs of the 31 teams who are four points or less outside? Four points or less out of 31. Uh I'm gonna say seventeen. Nope. No, no, really, this is like crazy love. Five. Okay. So wow. five. Five total in six years who are less than four points out of the playoffs. And that's even including games at hand. I didn't even like worry about the games. It really does show what a math problem it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So five of those thirty-one teams and managed to make the playoffs. There was one year, like like for example, 2016 and 17, that the playoffs were set on March first. Um so once, only once, is a team with more than four points in the last six years made the playoffs. Um, more than four that points. That would be Ottawa, right? Where they were seven points out. Right. And to get to that, to, to do that, to do that though. You know, yeah, that was a hamburger run. I mean, remember what they did? Their record, they went fifteen, two and three. Yeah. In their last like twenty games or whatever it was. 
to make. How, how, far, how far did you go back on this? I say? went back to the shortened season, right? Because okay, because because twenty twenty fourteen, the Leafs were in a playoff spot on March the first, and they went the eighteen wheeler went over the right, and that year. that's what that's the year that Ottawa yeah <laughs> took over. So yeah. basically, so if we go back to eighteen nineteen last year, Colorado and Colorado and Pittsburgh were one point out on March first, and both made the playoffs. They're the that's the only team that made it last year, but they were only one point out. Um, 17-18, Colorado was four points out and made the playoffs. 16-17, like I said, they were set. 15-16, Philly was three points out on March 1st and made the playoffs. 14-15 um, was Ottawa was seven. And then 13-14, Columbus was three points out on March 1st and made the playoffs. And we all kind of remember these runs. Like, remember, like, Columbus, yeah. Ottawa, Philly, those three runs. I remember all of them as being like, wow, can't believe that they made the playoffs. They were only three points out on March 1st. And yet we treated it like it was the most incredible thing ever to happen. Like, that's impossible, right? So um, and I'm going to tell you, it was either 0506 or 0607 where the Rangers were at a point where Tom Reddy came out and said, yeah, I know we have to win something like 20 out of 23 games to make the playoffs. And they actually did. Yep. I remember that, too. And, this and I'm crazy for saying it. So right now, like when you look through the East, like the East Carolina is three points out. Uh, they're the closest team to a playoff spot um, in the East. The Rangers are four out. The Panthers are six out and Montreal is seven out. Montreal's got 68 games played though, so they're really they're 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 done. They're done. Um, they've been, but they didn't they've been done for a month. Well, they're they're way out. They'd have to they'd have to be have an unbelievable run, and that would be and they'd have to hope for all kinds of things to go wrong. And, and there's no way that that much could go wrong because there's going to be one point for losses. Given okay, so can we now pronounce teams dead? Based yeah, on I mean, because I've been pronouncing them dead since January, and no, that's all we're gonna do. They're dead. They're dead. We need to start pronouncing teams dead based on X findings. I do not. I do not ever, 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 you know, advise against pronouncing teams dead. I think it's a bad idea. And I think, I also think it's just wrong because I think that teams. Kings, are, Ducks, Sharks. You're a fan of that team and you're sitting around. Blackhawks. They could all go home. Who are They're we to say this? In the West. Bank, we, the are West. Hockey experts. we are hockey experts and we can deem teams dead. I just named you the four. The Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, and the and the Blackhawks can all go home. They're done. Yeah, the Blackhawks right. are six points out of a wild card spot. Yeah, they're six points out. They are. And they and they have two games in hand on Winnipeg. And I think based on the fact that they traded their number one goaltender and they can't keep the puck out of their own net, that they are dead. Now, mathematically, are they dead? No. But are they really dead? Yes. It's impossible to say that they're dead, Mike, because of that way you just said. You made your point. I mean, you can't like – now, listen, we can think that the chances are really unbelievably slim, but I I refuse to declare teams dead. I think that this is a – People live for positivity. Yeah, well, no, not, I don't. I live, I live for negativity, and I, you know, like, I'll say this right now. I'm going to the uh, to the Sabers Penguins <laughs> game tonight. Dig up some dirt down at the Erie Canal, uh, at the canal side. Dig up some dirt, take it into the building, and throw it on the ice because they are dead. The Sabers are. Yeah, I'll tell you the dead teams. Dead. Dead teams in the East: Detroit, Ottawa, New yep. Jersey, Buffalo, Montreal, yep. Florida, New York. All Sorry, dead. dead. They're dead. There's a song by Queen, All Dead, All They're Dead. All the Rangers are four points out. They are all dead. <laughs> uh, that's, that's crazy. I mean, and but listen, uh, uh, as I'm saying this, okay, I, you shouldn't declare them, but like, after just proving that in likelihood you're right, okay? But uh, but well, I, you proved my case. Yeah, I'm set, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything because the I the reality is that we still have hockey games to be played, right? And the, and you can't right. sit back and if a team is six points out with like Chicago, six points out with two games at hand. They could be two points out, Mike. You can't say that team. Florida's is played two sure more games than everybody. <laughs> Florida's two, played one or two more games than everybody. No, Florida has not. Florida has 66 points, 66 games. You really think they're making it? They're five, po they're five points behind I, the Leafs. I am telling you that projected standings have Florida making it. <laughs> as a wild card or as a third place? As a wild card. Oh, okay. my God. Well, they're five. Listen, listen, this is the reality. One of Florida, Carolina, and Columbus is going to make it. The, okay? only, right, the only one that they can – I think that there's a reasonable chance that they can catch is Columbus and not because – and because Columbus is so wounded by all these injuries. And plus they have two games in hand on them. And the Rangers won't catch him because Tishurkin is out. That's the only reason. If he had been in this whole time, they would be in it. But the fact that he is out, they're out. 
See, I think that, that even as even as important as the number of points you're behind a playoff spot, right now the most important thing is the teams in between you and that playoff spot. Right. Florida, Florida's five points behind the Leafs. They're five points behind the Islanders. But there are two teams in between them. Right. For the okay, you're right about that. That is absolutely the case because of this fact that, that there are these three-point games with the amount of teams are between you is deadly. That is unbelievably deadly. And but you know, the crazy thing is so like people are putting the statistics up of the predators. Okay. The predators' chances of making the playoffs, according to this stat site that they were doing, 24.9%. Yeah, and we talked and we talked to Pete Weber yesterday, and they said, you know, I, I said three days ago, four days ago, it looked good for the Predators because they were they had two games in hand and they were tied for the wild card spot. Then they lose, they get destroyed by Edmonton, they lose yeah. to Minnesota. Yeah. They still have a game in hand, but now other teams have moved forward, and that, that there are other chances. Here, are here was the quote from Pete: "Reds are getting destroyed by goaltending right now." Well, but here, but here, and he did say that. But yeah. actually, he said defense is really what's killing well, them. I think it's a combination, but definitely right. they're not getting any big. But here's what he said: He basically said when I said going back to the Winter Classic, I don't know which Nashville team is showing up. And he said, I'm at the rink every day, and I don't know which team is going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. You, two different coaches. Yeah. No, it's, and it, it is the coaching change. There's a lot of things going against Nashville, but their schedule goes for them in a lot of good ways. Um, and the reality is they're one thing. If you're counting the Kings as a win. The Kings are beating everybody lately. No, I know. I'm not, and I, and I know, I know you're absolutely right. I mean, it's possible. I mean, what you wonder though, okay, was, but I've been doing a lot of research on this because next year I'm going to change this in my, in my thing is how long you have this post where sellers don't care anymore bump after the trade deadline, how long that goes. Because if I, and I'm checking it out, it usually goes for about a week to 10 days where teams that sell off have pretty good records, but then we're right, the that right now. Because so the I'm pressure's gonna, off. Yeah. I want to see where the Kings, what the Kings do like this kind I of. Mean, the San Jose Sharks look like world beaters. Right. Sharks. This weekend. The Devils. The Devils are, are beating everybody, you know, like the Devils are like. Are the there, Kings are playing better. Yeah. I mean, all those teams, Anaheim's playing better. It's like all those teams are playing better. How long that lasts? And there's a natural bump. And then eventually, you know, there is definitely a, a point at which talent, you know, does take over to a degree. Yeah, it'll last as long as the Leafs are on the West Coast. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, I still, I, of, of all the teams that are not in right now, I, I still, my projected things, and I'm going to go with it because I've looked through it so many times in the different things, and the different, and I might be wrong because if the Predators or the Panthers can't get any goaltending, neither of those teams is going to make the playoffs, okay? They have, those goalies have to turn it around. There's no two ways about that. Well, Carolina, same thing with goaltending. Same thing with, and I don't think Carolina's goaltending will turn around. That's why I don't have them in the playoffs. That is the only thing holding them back. That's why I think they don't make it. And I think that Carolina and Columbus with all the injuries, you're right. I mean, it's just, and Columbus's schedule is brutal. They have a it's lot. I'm going to tell you, they're right now, they're bucking the trend because Torts has them circling the wagons yeah. and it's working. Yeah, for yeah. now. And it's, it's and one they're of getting the players back. Ryan Murray is skating. Well, Russ, Russ said this a couple of weeks ago. The Blue Jackets are the type of team that will steal points. And, yep. and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use Toronto as a point there. Yep. Right, exactly. And I'll use Toronto as an example. They were tied 2 2 going in the third period with San Jose. Hey, San, Jose San Jose scores three third period goals and they win 5 to 2. Yes. Against, against the Blue Jackets, if they played the Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets would find some way to at least get a point, get that to overtime, get it tied to overtime, and maybe they lose because then they don't have enough offense to, to, yeah. to pull off the victory. But those points add up, and they're, they've been getting those points all year, even with eight, nine guys on the IR. And that's like one of the things, you know, if you're a Leaf fan, you got to be a little bit scared of because they're not getting those loser points. They're, yeah. you know, they're blowing games. They've blown three games in the last month where they were tied or leading going into the third period. And th that three points that they could have had from loser points could be the difference between them making and missing the playoffs. And just came back, didn't he? Who did? I'm sorry. Corpusalo, didn't he just? Come he back? just, I think he just came back. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's another. That's yeah. He just played last game. That's another plus for them. And again, they played that game to overtime. And that this is the the formula. And Tortorella knows how yeah. to do this formula. So I can't count that team out because once they had a little bit of a hold on it, 
he knows how to hold on to it, and they do have players coming back. And I agree with I agree with both of you that that Carolina is behind, sort of behind the eight ball, because uh, I think it was Don Waddell came out and said that Reimer and Morazic wouldn't be back for a week to ten days. They've got four games in hand on Columbus. It's not one thing if it's one or two. We're talking four is a lot. Four, four is a lot. Oh yeah, no, it's a whole lot. And they, you know, yeah, I mean, I listen. It, we don't know what's going to happen, but honestly. I, I have a real hard time saying they're dead because they're, and you know, I mean, I think Carolina's okay. And I think, I think Columbus, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're, I think at the end of the day, we're going to see a really a big battle between Carolina, Columbus and Florida for that final spot. And I think that in the West, you're going to see a battle between Arizona, Arizona, Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Minnesota. Um, and Nashville. The, the Minnesota's got a real outside chance. They don't have much of a chance. They're one point out right now. I know they have an outside chance. I mean, yeah, I don't think I mean they have a tough schedule. So I'm gonna I'm going with you. I'm agreeing with you on that. But I, I'm I actually to be honest, Garen needs to make the switch to Staylock right now. And I said that three weeks ago. That's their best chance because Staylock has been the better goalie because this has kind of been a tough year for on, on Dubnik. And I would play Staylock more. I would. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I I disagree with you on that one. I, I definitely play him a lot more. I mean, like if when you look at the number one, but just play him more. You look at who Florida has to play, like the rest of the way. Um, they've got you know they've got a couple tough games coming up, for sure. I mean, you know they but they've got Montreal this weekend. Um, then they've got St. Louis and Dallas, tough games. But then they go New Jersey, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal. It's like their their record, their schedule. I mean, those teams could always beat them, but, you know, it's like. Yeah. Okay, check this out. In 36 games, Stalock has a 2.59 goals against and a 9.12 save percentage. On that team, that's really good, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is really good. I mean. That's really good. And and so the people saying that Minnesota has a better percentage chance, I mean, I don't know where the hell they're getting that from because you look at Minnesota's schedule, it's insane. I mean, probably, yeah, I don't think they have a better probably percentage. sports club stats. Yeah, and, and that's why I don't like those sites because you have to look at who they're playing. It's really it's really important to like you check. Do. I mean, I think some of these look at it from a strict math perspective. Act, you do. And don't take those other things into account because they're not hockey. No, they have to, and I get that. But you know, we're hockey people. We understand there's different things about this, like and right. these back to back things where you know. Teams that don't have a really good backup goalie, they're they're splitting the back to back. That's a problem. There's yeah. some, things that are happening, you know. I mean, I guess you'll you'll you will see some teams down the stretch, you know, do the god forbidden thing of playing their starting goalie on back to back nights. I'm sure because they have to make the playoffs. But but just like a good math lesson, heck, I think we got to move on. Are yeah, we we'll move on, and um, that's fine. I want to get into um, before we go. I do want to talk about. Oh, come on, Mike. If you never told me you never tuned out in math class, I did a million times. Math freshman math was the only class I ever failed in any school ever, and it was okay. because of, because it was boring and I, and, a, and I had a bad teacher. Yeah. Uh, so Firefan sixteen wants to come on at some point. You know, at Firefan sixteen, email me at eklandedhockeybuzz.com. We'll talk about that. We'll figure that out. Yeah, um, not, not today though, because we're almost yeah, done. Not, we're almost out of time. Yeah. Just email. Unless you want to come on for three minutes, four minutes. No. Yeah, eklandedhockeybuzz.com and and, and <laughs> Mike said no. Sorry, Flyers fan. Uh, no, but in the future, sure, but not I three know. minutes left. Yeah, when I definitely, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear what you know. If you have a site that um that, that does this kind of prediction thing, that's cool. I'll just check it out. I want to see when it, I, I love. I'm, I'm listen. It's science to me. This is like trying to come up with this thing is like I'm perfectly willing to like just check out everything. So let's let's move on for a second to like the discussion I had with Mike this morning, which is not really about the Maple Leafs, but of course has was done in context of Maple Leafs because they are the ones who do this more than any other team, but. The context is this of like, I said that Ryan Miller and I still Carolina is I'm baffled. Like the Carolina didn't get Ryan Miller is baffling to me that, you know, looking at what happens because, because you, if you watched Ryan Miller play last night again, you know, and you've watched him play and he hasn't played that often, granted he's played less games, but which means more that he actually is probably really pretty rested. He could help you in a run, but he, you know, he's a, he beat Colorado. Colorado's on an eight game winning streak last night. And he's the reason that the ducks won that game. And when I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking, you know, okay, Toronto who went on and got. And camped. you could see that that was the reason. I, I could tell. I was watching that game as long as I could stay up. Yeah. I mean, Toronto goes out and gets Campbell, who's a good goalie. Long term can help them for sure. But, you know, they're in the playoffs now. And this, the discussion, the debate is this. It, it's, it sums down to this situation. Okay. Mike is Mike or the Leafs. And the Leafs, I think Mike speaks for the Leafs. I think the Leafs are thinking the same way that we 
are going, you don't have a great chance of winning in the playoffs. So why would we spend a little bit more to get, or even go out and just give like another third round pick to get Miller as well, or improve our goaltending because we're probably not going to beat Boston or Tampa in the first round, no matter what we do. And, you know, and that's like the, and so, so then why waste our time doing it? That's to me, that's, that's the thinking. And I just think that that is insane. I don't think it's that. I think it's asset management that they're worried about. No, it, well, of course. I mean, you're not getting these guys for free. But if you're willing to give up a third round pick for a guy who could potentially help you win a playoff series, and you know for sure they could have gotten him for a third. The pressing price for Ryan Miller was a third round pick. Okay, but they already lost a second in this draft, right? Right. In this right. draft, the Leafs. No, no, they lost their first in the. So they lost their first. So yeah. now if you're talking, they have no first and no third. And they just have a second, and then the fourth, the fifth. That gets a little thin, act. Yeah, and and this, and this is the thing. It's like okay, if say the price, the price was a third round pick for Miller, and Miller is a UFA at the end of the year. He's thirty nine years old. He's right. making a million, million point two, million one or million two, and more than likely, it's a stopgap for the last twenty games of the regular season. And he's going to go back to Anaheim or retire or go back to a West Coast team next right. year. The right. What they're looking at is we've gone through. McElhaney, Sparks, Pickard, Hutchinson over the last two years that we want stability backing up Anderson. And we're giving up the same third round pick for a guy who signed for two years after this year at a million six. And I, and Dubas knows him because he had him in Sault Ste. Marie. To me, that's a no brainer. I, even though I think Ryan Miller is a better goaltender because he's a former starter and Jack Campbell has yeah. recouped his career and he's playing really well. If I'm the Leafs, I would have done that deal because you have security for the next two years. You know, if Anderson goes down, and I get the security if part. Anderson goes down, the season is over with. It is. It really not, is. It's just not. I mean, based on history, it's not. I mean, and based on what you – when you look at – I mean, when you look at teams that have gone far in – I mean, the, the Flyers go to the Stanley Cup Finals on three goalies. You know, like they – they like that was a crazy year, granted. But still, all these are – I mean, the the the, the – that year, the the first year, the Oilers and Hurricanes go to the Stanley Cup. Both, I think, were wild card teams. Then, you know, the whole thing of you know the the Kings win from the eighth seed, the sixth seed, and the third seed. I guess they win their Stanley Cups. I mean, the reality. And last year, the the Lightning have the best season in the history of time and and get swept in the first round. You have to just get to the playoffs and you have to put your best team on the ice. And and you don't know what's going to happen. And I really do believe that Toronto. If they won that game seven and they 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 were playing good enough to win that game seven against Boston, if they win that game seven, they go on and they beat Columbus and they, who knows what happens in the in the in the conference finals, but they could have won the Stanley Cup last year. Um, they're one game away, and yet their goaltending again, whether it's the goaltending or not, really last year is, is is pointless. The point I'm trying to make is you owe it to yourself to go for it when you're in the playoffs. You just cannot sit there and say that we're not going to win in the playoffs. Well, I, I, and, and, and the, other, the other thing is they didn't, in, in a deal with Anaheim, they wouldn't have gotten a veteran uh, forward like Clifford that they did, uh, who is helping the Leafs out right now based on the fact that they, you know, they're not a very aggressive team and they needed some sandpaper. Yeah. He provided that. I don't think they would have gotten that in, a, in an Anaheim deal. So I, I'm just saying, like, I mean, no doubt that Miller would have been an upgrade over Hutchinson, but I think I, I would have I been, and you're saying that's not the case, but I would have been surprised that he would waive his no trade to go to Toronto. And I know for a fact that he wouldn't resign there. So they he's were looking at. He's not going to resign there. There's no question about it. But no, he, no, but let's he, say, let's say you to win the Stanley Cup somewhere. And I also think that, you know, Lundqvist is in the same Well, boat. he's not going to win a Stanley Cup in Toronto because they're not winning the Cup. Okay, but, but let's, let's get past that for a minute. Sure. Let's say they make that deal, act and they go out still in the first round, or maybe they get to the second round right. and they go out. At that point, going into the draft, they will get destroyed by the fan base and the media because now they're starting to trade away their picks. And hold on, now we really don't know the direction and the plan of this organization anymore. That's the that's the part that's starting to unravel when you get a guy like Miller is all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, so we didn't we were doing it this way, but now we're still falling back on the old Leafs ways once in a while. And you can go back and someone like Mike would say, Well, there's Procanic and there was this. And he'll go back and trace those picks and see what the players turned into. And that's where you start having trouble. No, I, I don't. I don't listen. You don't want to give away assets, of course. But, you know, at the same time, you're the job that you have is to win the Stanley Cup. That yeah, I know. Job. 
I, I call me stupid. I value a 21 or 22 year old forward in Alexander Volkov, who I think will be a good NHLer. I value him a lot more than 20 games of friggin' Brian Boyle, and that's what and that's what the Leafs traded. Right. Was was Alexander Volkov? That was who uh, I told uh, you. There's always a mic to fall back on. No, there is. But and and no. And listen, when you lose, (laughs) like you're saying, like Russ, when you when you lose, of course you can make that argument. But the reality is, your fan base, you want your fan base. But the odds are position to win. Right. Okay. But the odds are they are going to lose, even with that move. That, but you can't you can't base it on that when you look at the way the NHL playoffs work. You you have no idea what's. No, no. But you could base it on the fact that. If I get Ryan Miller, do I think I'm getting to the Stanley Cup? And I think if the if you ask the Leafs in the room, they would say no with that defense because Ryan Miller's a little too old. No matter how he plays right now, there is there's not much defense in front of him. He won't be able to hold up. I, I mean, think that's what they would say. Yeah, if he if he doesn't hold up, but if he gets hot, which is also a possibility, um, and and you know you and maybe Anderson's not. You have that. You have definitely more of a. I. I. To me, it feels like a fear. Like you go. I, you I will tell you. I think Anaheim's defense is probably better than the Leafs because now they've added a couple of big guys, like, big forwards, like the hockey pocket guys hitting guys in the corner. The Leafs don't have any of that. Yeah, right? no, I mean, and Miller. No, they don't. But at the same time, Miller is the kind of goalie who plays better the more shots he gets. He's that's historically been that he's been that kind of goalie. So. Let's like, you know, I mean, to me, the fear is you bring Miller in and now you, this, to me, it's like the playing, not losing. Now we've got Anderson and Miller and people are going to question who we're playing and whoever we play will make the wrong choice. And they're going to be worried about that. So when you bring in Campbell, you, okay, Anderson's obviously still the guy, but you bring in Miller in the playoffs and, and Anderson has a bad game. Miller's there and, they, and, and the fan base is going to be all over them to make that change. You can't, you can't GM or coach because you're afraid the fan base is going to get all over you. I get it. I think that, and I feel like they do that all the time, and it, it just it, it makes me insane. Like to me, that I don't know. It's I still think they made the right move because right now they were worried about the asset part of it. They have Campbell for another year. Yeah, yeah, two years, two years, oh, for another year. Campbell, two years at one point six. They're looking at that too. That's that's costly. No, and I like Campbell, and maybe no, but it's their starter. But I don't know that Campbell's going to be their starter. I think they got him. No, he, they don't. They don't want him to be the starter. But the point is, if you go and trade this asset and get Miller. You don't have Campbell for the next two years. Now you're looking for a goalie again over the summer, and you haven't even solved that problem. And if you've lost again, then it really starts to get slippery. So I actually back the Leafs on this one. All right. Well, let's see what the chat room says. Up a little in my mouth. We're going to bring up Tankathon and see what the chat room says here. So in, right. in our chat room, I want you to write – you'd ra- either write Miller or third. You'd rather have Miller or the third-round pick next year. Just if But it's more complicated than that. It's, it's Miller or the third because of Campbell – on a two-year deal, too. That me, by the way, let's just throw this out there, too. Me, I don't get Campbell. I get Miller in the first place. So, like, I don't get – I get Campbell in the summer because Campbell will be available. Campbell's out there. No. You know, no. Campbell, he was, he was already signed. Right. No, he's already signed, but you can still trade for him, Campbell. You could have traded for Campbell at another time. You not. You don't have to trade for Campbell right now. But then you're giving up a third-round pick to get Miller, and then you're giving another draft pick to get right. Campbell. It's one or the other. It's a slippery slope, man. Yeah, then then probably their backup goaltender next year is that Russian kid, uh, Bilyoff, right. yeah. who, who they don't have to give up a draft pick for. They they, they sign him, but you don't know whether he's an NHL goaltender. you like Czech Monik. Yeah, right. I, I, listen. I mean, I, I don't get Campbell. I get Miller because I go for it. That to me, that's th- this. I should have m- m- added right. that. By getting Miller though, you've created two holes. Right. It's a hole. You fill the hole for the last twenty games, and then you have to fill it again. Correct. In the summer, whereas with Campbell, you give I'll up in the summer. In the summer, I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs. I can't find myself a backup goalie in the summer. Have they been able to find one up until this point? No. no. That's a great point. I agree with you. They've been in that from this point, but at the same time, you can't still can't you can't GM based on the fact that we've sucked in the past at trying to find backup goalies. Every year, people go out there and get backup goalies that work out. There are a number of things that people can criticize Kyle Dubas for, but that trade is not one of them. I'm sorry. It was good asset management to give up a third round pick for Campbell, who was signed for two more years, and so far is four one and one with the when they hang the asset management banner in the arena, Mike. I'll make no, sure we're at that game. Act, asset management it, it contributes to that Stanley Cup banner that teams ha- teams or at have. least contributes to him keeping his job. 
his job should be to win the Stanley Cup. And he had a chance. He had, he had he had he had a chance to give his percentages a better chance. That's I mean we'll never agree. I have the drum roll ready for the tankathon. All right, let's do it. Here we go. I got it. All right. Um all right, we'll never agree on this one. But you know, it's a fun one to talk about. Carter Hunt. Hey, you know, there's a guy, Brian Elliott. He'll be available this summer. He'd be a hell of a great backup. Maybe for the he goes back to the Flyers. You don't know. Maple Leafs would love to. Maple Leafs would get him. That would be great. Here we go. Simulating this. That was, it was a really awful. The New Jersey, the Jersey again. Wow. Yeah, the Jersey Devils. Um, <laughs> that was an awful. I'm sorry. I'm pulling it off an app on YouTube. It sounded like a television poltergeist. If you, if you that really was awful. Um, but if you have, if you have, um, can't if you have, if you have Hughes, Heeshier, and Lafreniere, wow. Yeah, here, here, look out. That's that's crazy. Wow. Nashville gets the second pick in this one. That's jumping up ten spots. That's a huge. Yeah, at Nashville. That's what the Flyers did, right? When they, uh, yeah. I don't know if, if Nashville did that. That's a tremendous thing to, to get Byfield for them. Although there's so many centers there, they finally would have to trade one. Yeah, well, they might finally have one that's, that's some, like, that can score on back-to-back -back nights. Um, <laughs> I do um, have breaking news in the in the chat room to our question, uh, yeah. like a little bit. It was it was basically, I mean, I think it was pretty much Miller, Miller, third, Miller, third. Looks like maybe Miller won by a little bit, but I, and I think that fans in general will always say, "Let's go for it." Um, why wouldn't you? Like that's your job to be a fan, right? I mean, as a fan, thankfully, fans don't run teams. Well, not always. Um, but yeah, and actually, you could argue that the Maple Leaf fans are very much running that team. The, the fear that they, the fear that they manage with, because they are. It's just like that is. They got to stop being afraid. They got to just do things. Anyway, that's my hockey news. Yep. Go ahead. It's not hockey related. It's prog rock related. Oh God! All but right. but Steve Howe has said he and John Anderson get along great now because they don't work together all the time, which is going along with what you talked about. Yeah. So it does sound like there's a chance that they will record one more album and tour one more time as them. ARW is going to have their final tour this, this coming um, year, probably starting like September, but those guys may go into the studio one more time. It seems. All right, there you go. I'm sure I'll see him at the Brigada. Um, no Anderson. And, and listen, if Anderson and Howard are together with Wakeman, it will be a bigger venue than that. I mean, the Brad is pretty, it's not small, but I'm just, it's, it's the biggest. No, it would be a bigger venue than that. I mean, th that they don't fill the Man Music Center. Uh, oh, in Philly, they will absolutely fill the Man Music Center. No, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, you're talking about Philly. They will, they will play two dates at MSG if they have the regular band together. Or the regular band, yeah, but it just, it just. Well, that's Anderson. what they're going to have. Well, How and Anderson and who else? How Anderson, um, Raven. No, no, no. Raven probably wouldn't be in that. I, I'd be surprised. If you have Wakeman, Anderson, Hal. and um, Alan White, and Alan White, yeah, yeah, that that might that that I agree. That will do it. You're only missing Chris Squire. Yeah, and they'll cool. probably get someone like Tony Levin, or they'll get what's his name, Lee uh, Lee Pomeroy, who was really good. No, not Lee Pomeroy. There's the other guy, Billy uh, Billy, Billy Sherwood's been with him. He's yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, uh, that's all the time we have for today, folks. Um, as always, Mike, love you. I'm sorry to debate with you every time about this. Yeah, there's really, somebody uh, who disagreed with you on Twitter right on my timeline. Eck. I really, yeah, no, I know. I know. Don't worry, Eck. I always enjoy winning the debate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's, that's okay because, you know, you know um, all winners here, time, will tell, time will tell, and one of us will be proven right because we can say we were right because we knew it all along. And I taped it this time, so this time I can say I remember. Thank you. All right. No, I didn't take that. Cameron Young for saying Miller right now. I appreciate the last minute vote. All right. Remember without the buzz. Jim is always on your side. Remember without the buzz. It is just hockey. We will talk to you. Later. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.